0: I want you to clap if you have read or seen the movie The Shack. And now I want you to clap if you have not read or seen The Shack. And don't be embarrassed. All right, that helps me know I need to give a little background information. And I will let you know that this is, you know, like When you say spoiler alert, I don't really know what that means. It's hip to say. So spoiler alert, but I'm going to reveal the end of the movie today and the end of the book. So I don't know what spoiler alert means. Somebody tell me after worship. But the bottom line is this is a book that is about, it's a modern day parable. So if you've heard people knocking the book on social media or read about it on social media and other churches saying that it's heretical, we believe that Jesus taught in parables. And if you read, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that Jesus told lots of stories. Today in Wired, in our children's ministry, they're studying the parable of the prodigal son. And so Jesus taught by telling stories. We believe that the shack is a story about a man who has an encounter with God. And so we are not saying that it's the Gospel, but we do believe that it has some teaching points that we can look at and learn from. So that's why we're studying it. We are in the middle of a season called Lent. It's the 40 days before Easter. And so it, as a faith community, as a church, is when we dig deeper and really try to see where God is at work in our lives and and what stuff we have in our lives that needs to move out of the way, get out of the way, so we can further encounter the presence of God. So this morning, we are going to talk about, you know, where is God in this, and how do we get through the ick sometimes that we find in our lives? How do we get through that? Frederick Beekner is a theologian, and he has a quote that we say here at West a lot. The worst things are never the last things. And I wish I could say that that's my quote, but it's not. It's Frederick beekner 's and it means that no matter what we're going through in life, no matter how bad it is— there's always good that comes, and as believing in the resurrected Christ and knowing that our spirits live on long after our life here on this earth is done, we do believe that the worst things, even death, are not the last things. So this morning we're going to answer the question: So how do we make that real? We can say all day long that the worst things are never the last things, but how do we how do we live that out? Because truthfully, when we in the middle of the worst things, when we are laid off from our jobs, or we're facing a medical diagnosis, or we're in a severed relationship, or some of our loved ones uh, pass away, it feels like the worst things. And if we believe that, if we believe that the worst things are never the last things, there has to be a how that goes along with that. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning for a few minutes. I want to show you a picture. Uh, If you'll clap, if you've ever been on a ropes course a few of you okay um clap if you have no idea what a ropes course is Okay, it's okay to not know what a ropes course is. If I had not taught sixth grade before I went into ministry, I would have no clue what a ropes course is. And I'm fine if I never, ever, ever have to go to one again. Athletic prowess is not something that you will find on my resume. So if you'll see behind me, there's this picture of an event at a ropes course. And when I taught sixth grade decades ago, this was something that the sixth grade teachers, our our pod of teachers, felt like we should do with our sixth graders. Before back then they went off to go to middle school in seventh grade, we needed to go to Murray's Mill Ropes Course. Now, I like the outdoors a lot. When I'm sitting in a beach chair and I'm looking out over the ocean, that is my extent of Liking the outdoors, honestly. I admire people that like to hike. I keep thinking that I would like to like that, but truth is, it's just not me. So, when they said we were going to go to the ropes course, I envisioned my role, especially as the teacher, because if you're the teacher, you shouldn't have to do the stuff, right? You should just be able to be in charge. Um, I would just watch And cheer all the kids on But that was not reality But they did not tell me that Until we got there And this was one of the first things That we did on the ropes course I don't know how far the wire was In reality off the ground It feels like 600 feet It probably was more like 10 to 12 But there was this wire And there were ropes hanging down From another wire up above it And what you were supposed to do is, first of all, climb up this ladder beside a tree. Now, again, athletic agility is not something that I personally have, so the whole concept of climbing up the tree already had me unnerved. And after all the sixth graders went, they're like, okay, Miss Fair, that was my maiden name, they're like, it's your turn. I'm like, no, no, I am just here to cheer you on. They're like, no, it's not team building if we don't all do it together that was not what I wanted to hear so being trying to be a good sport I climbed reluctantly up the tree now I am afraid of heights so that was a detriment to this whole experience as well they you know put me in that harness kind of thing, I climb up, and then you are supposed to, like, take this step out onto the wire, and there's a rope that's not too far away, so you're supposed to grab that rope, and then you're supposed to take another step and grab the next rope that's way out there. Well, I tried to get Lane to come up here, my daughter, our daughter, to come up here and use this, use her as an example. I have T-Rex arms, and you really can't tell that from where you're sitting, but Lane and I are almost the same height, and if she were to stand beside me, her arms go like this much more out beyond mine. I do. I have T-Rex arms, and I cannot reach anything. Now, back then, I didn't realize that that was what my problem was, so I'm standing. I had lots of other problems. I'm standing up there on this rope, and I'm terrified. I mean I really was, and and all of the little sixth graders were down there and they're like, Oh come on, come on, come on, Miss Fair. And honestly, I just could not get the courage to even for a second let go of the rope behind me so that I could inch forward just enough to grab the one in front of me. Now in the middle of all this, I could see the other sixth grade teachers, you know, sort of like, come on, come on, we've got to go. Because I was, I was frozen in my fear. I wish I were exaggerating this story. I'm not. Uh, finally, I mean, I think I stood up there for like three to five minutes. And finally, I got enough courage to let go of that rope and to take that step. And, of course, as soon as I did, you know what happens? I fell. I mean, I never even touched the second rope. I fell off the thing. And all the kids, you know, were laughing at me. And, oh, good, you know, that sympathy clap. And then we went on to the next event. I've not forgotten that. And that is why the West staff or strategic team or any leadership team at West here will never, ever, ever go to a ropes course because I am never going to relive that memory of where I didn't have what it takes and I don't like to fail, do you? I don't think any of us like to fail. And sometimes when we find ourselves in these life experiences that are icky, the tragedies that we face When we can't get out of those and when we can't find that happy place, we feel like failures and we feel like there's just nothing that we can do to get out of the spiral downward. And that's what Mac, the main character in The Shack, is experiencing. So this is a modern day parable about a man named Mackenzie Phillips. He is a father, he's a dad, he's a a follower of God. And the book says that his relationship with God was wide, but not very deep. That his wife's relationship, Nan, her relationship with God was deep and wide. But his relationship was just wide. It, It didn't have any depth. And then... One weekend, Mac takes their three kids away for a camping trip right before school starts. And he has a couple of teenagers and then a little girl named Missy. And on this camping trip, uh, his son and daughter were out canoeing in the lake. And they were playing around like teenagers do. And the canoe turned over. And his son got caught. The life jacket got caught under the canoe. So he was drowning. And so Mac jumps into the lake to go save his son. And then once he does that and he comes back to the shore, Missy, who had been sitting there coloring, was gone. They look everywhere for her. And, you know, there's just this gut-wrenching pit in your stomachs as you read and as you watch the movie because you realize, you know, she's gone and then they find out that there is a serial killer the ladybug killer is what he's referred to and he leaves a ladybug pin behind when he gets his next victim and that happened in the movie and so he gets the mac gets the pin the they call in the FBI they go look for missy and they end up in the furthest remote place in the mountains of Oregon, and there's this shack. And it is an old, dilapidated cabin. They go in, and they find Missy's dress on the floor with bloodstains, and they know that she's been killed. That's the plot of the movie, coupled with the fact that Mac tries to reconcile this tragedy with his life and his life with God. And the way that he tries to reconcile this tragedy, I think, is something that, truthfully, if we're really honest, we all struggle with too. We can say we have faith, we can say we believe in God, but when we face those tough times in life, we have to answer questions like, why do bad things happen to good people Theologians have questioned that for centuries. And how can God be all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good, and evil exist? How do we reconcile those questions of faith? And so those are questions that Max starts wrestling with. And the movie, the rest of the movie, is how does he come to terms with with his relationship with God, there's this thing called the great sadness that they refer to, and it it rests on him, and it holds him captive from experiencing life. And we are created... In the image of God, the Imago Dei, we are created to live life. We are created to be happy and not just be happy, be full of joy. That's why God created us and to be in relationship with one another and with God. So when tragedies happen and things like the great sadness engulf us all, because at some point in our lives it will, we have to find a way out of it. And believe it or not, the illustration about the, the ropes course, that gives us some insight into how we do that. And it's called Trust and Steps of Faith. God did create us to be in relationship with God and This first clip that I want to show you or the only clip I'm going to show you today from the shack is a scene where you're going to see Mac and he's out on the lake and he is experiencing this weekend with God. And here's where the critics of the shack come in. They're like, well, God's not a woman. God, you know, God is not to be depicted as we see God in the movie. But the whole point of the shack is to give us a glimpse of God. We cannot understand God. We just can't. We want to. There are people that you pay some money to stand up and try to talk about it. But the truth is, God, we think God is like the best image of ourselves multiplied, some, and then that's what we conclude God is we can't begin to fathom God I mean we just can't God is not a person God is a a deity a an energy, a presence, and God revealed God's self. God is neither male or female, but God revealed God's self to us through the person of Jesus Christ. We're followers of Christ here at West, and we believe that God chose to limit God's self and come walk among us so that we could see and understand just how beautiful And how wonderful and how loving God is. And and we do that through the person of Jesus. And then, before Jesus left, his followers, his disciples on earth, he was gathered together with them in the upper room. They were celebrating the the feast of the Passover. And and he gave that meal new meaning. We'll participate in that meal in just a little while. And he said, I'm not going to be with you forever. But when I'm not with you, we don't want you to be alone. Who's we? Well, we is Jesus and, and God the Father. We don't want you to be alone. So we're going to give you an advocate, a friend, the Holy Spirit. And that presence of God and me, it's going to be with you always, even until the end. So in the shack, Matt goes to the, the shack, the physical shack, because he gets an invitation from God called Papa. That's his wife's nickname for God, a very endearing term. And so Matt gets this invitation to go to the shack, and he gets there, and he finds that there are three people. Now, we know that three people to be the Trinity. God the Father, as represented by Papa. God the Son, Jesus And God, the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, as we try to figure out how we dig out of those dark places and how we stop the downward spiral, it's important for us to remember it's all about one thing, and that's relationships. Relationships with God relationships with all of creation. Thank you, Diana Hoover, in our small group this morning. She reminded us of that. We are called to be in relationship with all of creation, not just people, because we can experience the power and presence of God in creation and then with one another. Recognizing that we all, we all are just trying to do the best we can In our own realm of existence, and recognizing that there is evil that exists in this world, and sometimes we all find that we are bent towards that evil. That we have, you know, inner battles that go on within us, good and bad. and, And we make choices sometimes that are the negative ones. And then there are consequences of those actions. And if I make a negative choice, then there perhaps are consequences to you. It's all a cycle. So this morning as we explore this last part about what it means to be in relationship and how to dig ourselves out, I want you to do me a favor. And as we talk about it, I want you to clear your mind. Of any preconceptions that you have about your relationships. Perhaps where people have wronged you and, and you have hurt and pain because of that. Because we are created to be in relationship with one another and in relationship with creation and God. And the way that we do that is we try to be like Christ Christ. When Jesus was in that upper room with the disciples before he celebrated that Passover supper. And when he was saying, you know, I'm going to leave and I'm not going to be with you. But I'm going to give you some, someone, something, the advocate, the Holy Spirit that's going to be with you always. You're never going to be alone. He also said this to them. He said, I am. And that was the way God revealed God's self to the people of the Old Testament. To Moses to the followers, the people that wanted to believe in this being that was bigger than they were, I am, Jesus said, I am abiding, dwelling in the Father. And you, my disciples, my followers, those who have been with me in this ministry and doing life with me for the last three years, you are in me and I am in you. So when we think about how we're going to construct our relationships so that we can be abiding in God and God abiding in us, we have to remember that we are trying to craft our relationships so that they look like those of Jesus. And those are the purest, most beautiful relationships that we can ever find. Because he always offered grace. He always offered love, even when they ridiculed him, they tried to trick him, and ultimately ended up killing him. He always gave grace, forgiveness, and love. And if he encountered people that would not give that to him, He would wipe the dust off his feet and and he would continue on in his life and in his ministry. So wherever you are this morning in your relationships, I want you to just cleanse your mind for just a second and take away all preconceived ideas because the bottom line is we all are created to be in relationship with each other. And if we want to find our way out of the boat, out of the ick, is we have to keep our eyes on God. And the way that we do that is by keeping our eyes on each other and finding the hope and the joy and the peace that life brings. Because life is too difficult to do it alone. I want you to take a look at this clip. It is Mac in a boat. He's out canoeing. He actually had the the guts to get back out on the lake where ultimately the beginning of the end for him started to happen. And I want you to watch what happens as he's out in the middle of the water. my books. don't look at it Matthew. look here it. don't think about the past don't think about the pain look at me everything is gonna be okay look at me trust me none of this can hurt you just keep your eyes on me breathe I'm not going anywhere. In the Gospel of John, John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, had been doing ministry. And he was out among the people, and people were following him, believing him to be the Messiah. There were lots of Messiahs before the time of Jesus. Messiah was a title. And so people were believing that John the Baptist was the Messiah, and they were following him. And then John introduces them to Jesus. And I want you to hear what happens. And hear what Jesus says. Because what Jesus says to them so many thousands of years ago is the same thing that we see depicted in the shack, and the same thing that Jesus is saying to you and me today. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, and he saw Jesus passing by. And he said, Look, there's the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And you translate that word staying to mean dwelling. Where are you dwelling? And Jesus said, come, and you will see. So he doesn't give them a physical address. He doesn't give them any answers like that. He just says, come and you will see. Come and follow me. That was the recurring theme in his words. I want you to take a look at this quote from the shack. If you try to live this without me without the ongoing dialogue of us sharing this journey together, it will be like you trying to walk on the water by yourself. You can't. And when you try, however well-intentioned, you're going to sink. That's what happens when we try to do this thing called life alone. We weren't created and intended to do life alone. We were created and intended to do life alone with Jesus through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive and well in each of us. And guess what? It's a big responsibility not only to claim it, but then realize that you share the Holy Spirit with each other. We all carry that life and that light of God inside of us, whether we claim it or not. Take a look at this quote. By George MacDonald. To follow him, him being Jesus, is to be learning of him, to think his thoughts, to use his judgments, to see things as he saw them, to feel things as he felt them, to be hearted, souled, minded as he was, so that we may also be of the same mind with the Father. I want you guys to leave that up on the screen for just a minute. To be hearted, so to to feel things with the heart of God, to be soul to feel things with the passion and the love of God, and minded to think things. They say in the shack, it's a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. Sometimes our head knowledge gets in the way, but you know what? Sometimes our heart knowledge gets in the way too, especially when we find that we are feeling all the ick and the negative things. So you see the image in the the shack, and he puts his hand down in the water, and he pulls it out, and it's covered up with this black, murky mess and, and you hear the voice of Jesus say to him, that's, that's you, that's just in your mind. So many times we let that negative stuff just cloud us and make us be engulfed in that great sadness. But we are told that we have this beautiful, beautiful spirit that lives in each of us. That voice of Christ that says, keep your eyes on me. And if you do, I promise, the worst things are never the last things. The first words Jesus said in his ministry were, come and see. You know, when we're on that tight rope of life and we feel like it's just too far to reach the next rope, Jesus is there saying, come unto me. I will take your burdens and I will make them light and I will give you rest. We just have to take a step and go see. May this week we be a people that take that step and go see. Go in peace. Amen.